0: Glad you're here with us this morning, as we uh, w- worship together, as we get into God's word a little bit together. Um, if, you're, if you're new to us, um, if you and you're wanting to know where we've been, been the past couple months, we've been walking through uh, the journey through Pentecost. And so if you'd like to get caught up on that, uh, you can go to our YouTube page, uh, simply in the search bar, type in Orangewood Church, and you'll see our OW symbol. Click on that and you'll find our previous messages um, and you can get caught up. If you've been with us for a while, um, we want to say thanks for being a part of this church and uh, welcoming those that are new. Um, one of the fun things that I kind of tell the board every now and then I tell you guys is that uh, in most churches, um, when visitors come in, they end up walking out without talking to anyone and the pastor can't get to them. And this church, um, you guys are like just welcoming everyone to the point where the pastor still can't get to them. But it's not because like you're talking to me. It's because you're talking to them. So it's fantastic. Thank you for being that kind of a church. Um, it's awesome. Uh, so we I want to let you guys know where we're going. Through the summer, we are going to be jumping into the stories of Jesus. Um, we're going to be all over the Gospels. We're going to be jumping into some today, the book of Matthew, as well as the book of Leviticus, and back and forth and that, um, Next few weeks, we're going to be all over this, all over, all over the Gospels. This is going to be great. And uh, once summer's over and we get done with the stories of Jesus, we're going to be jumping into uh, Obadiah and Judges. Yeah, some pretty unique books to be jumping into. They're going to be fun. Um, Some pretty insane stories in there. Uh, One of my favorite ones, well, I'm not going to tell you now. You'll have to come back in like three months and hear it. Um, We'll wait on that one. And then we're going to jump into Christmas. It's like our year is kind of mapped out in messages, which is great. And um, in the next few weeks, you will, um, you'll be hearing from our new pastor, Josh. He's going to be speaking on July 4th, so we want you to be here and be part of that. Um, Michelle's preaching on the 27th, 26th, the week before the 4th of July, whatever day that is in June. Um, she'll be here speaking. Um, Melissa, myself, and the boys, we're going to be on vacation for a couple of weeks, and so we're going to get away and get out. And so if you call us, I'm going to ignore you (laughs) out of love, okay? Just during those two weeks. Outside of that, I'll still answer your phone calls. But that's where we're at. That's where we're going. And just all sorts of newness and and greatness that's happening. Uh, Just to update you on the building, we are still waiting for uh, reviews to be done, for them to uh, start rebuilding things on the inside. Outside, I think we're within... A week and a half now for our landscaping crew to start putting together the outside and making that look incredible so movement is going to be happening again things are starting to roll it's really great and uh if you guys don't know brian shaw he's a pastor on our district and he's also our contractor and some of his other subcontractors are also pastors on the district so i love our story of churches helping churches in different ways Uh, just really great and so continue praying for the 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 progress and what we have going on. All that being said, here's what we're here for, right? You guys know I like kind of poking at our idioms, our common phrases that we use. And I've, I've used this one before, but I'm going to bring it up again. That and finish it out with me if you can. Actions speak louder than words. Right. Did you know in 1736, that's kind of the first time we have it written in the way that we have it known about. And it says, actions speak louder than words. And here's a great part at the end. If I can find it, it says, and are more to be regarded. So it kind of adds a little bit more emphasis towards the bottom of that, uh, last half of that, which means that like your, your character, your, your, what you're known for, the, the who you are, the truth, the way to what you say, is all shaped by what you do. You can say everything you want under the sun, you can yell as loud as you want, you can kick and scream, you can make the biggest noise, but all of that lands to the fact of who cares if you don't follow it up with what? What actions are there, right? None of it makes any sense, none of it it works. Um, I heard it said that you can be the greatest architect in the world, right? But if your buildings collapse, you're just a great artist. (laughs) Like that's all there is to it. Like we can say who we are, but what does it matter if the words aren't followed by the actions? I follow Jesus, that's great, but yet you slam people. I follow Jesus, that's awesome, but you have no connection with the body. Like There's all these different things that we as believers, we say, but what do we do with, while following them up, right? All this is going around the idea of experiences. Um, and In Matthew chapter eight, that's where we're gonna start with today. If you wanna open up to there, uh, Matthew chapter eight, chapter eight, we're gonna read verses one through four. This is a a section where Jesus heals a leper. Jesus is gonna heal him, and simply put, Jesus heals because Jesus is God. And we're gonna take a look at this passage of how he's establishing his authority through actions. This is coming after a long discourse of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And there's different, uh, two main viewpoints of the Sermon on the Mount. One is that it's one long uh, portion of Jesus speaking. Others say it's divvied up into different sections. Um, Either way, Jesus said it, and it's truth, so I'm good with it. Believe what you want if it's one long thing or chopped up. Here's what we know. Matthew chapter 8, 1 through 4. Oh, of course. My U version, like, dropped out. Here it goes. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man, and said, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, which is just a weird statement. We're going to get into that. But go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Okay, so a short little passage here, and we're gonna like, state the obvious first. There were large crowds that followed him. So when Jesus tells this leper, don't, don't say anything about this, that almost seems counterintuitive because here's a group of people that are around him seeing what's going on. Someone's gonna say something because as you all know, in our own little circles, when something amazing happens, we tend to want to talk about it. We tend to want to like process, sometimes verbally and outwardly, what we saw and what we experienced and like how is this even possible? But he tells this guy, this leper who's been healed, go show yourself to the priest and essentially bring to him What was commanded. And what was commanded comes out of the book of Leviticus. The the sacrifice, this gift uh, according to Moses. And and if you want to jump back to Leviticus chapter 14. So we're kind of hitting scripture pretty fast here this morning. Verses 1 through 7. And I kind of want to start by saying this. like The Old Testament, the Levitical laws, and all those things that are part of what the Jewish people had to do for rituals and cleanliness and everything else are incredible. They're they're hugely symbolic. Um, but I am really incredibly grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus. Um, because some of these rituals, as great as Aaron's symbolism, I don't know if I'd want to go through them myself. And this is one in particular. We'll read it in Leviticus 14, 1 through 7. The Lord said to Moses, these are the regulations for any diseased person at the time. Um, of their ceremonial cleansing when they are brought to the priest. The priest is to go to the outside of the camp and examine them. If they have been healed of their defiling skin disease, the priest shall order that two live, clean birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop be brought before the person to be cleansed. Then the priest shall order that one of the birds be killed over fresh water into a clay pot. He is then to take the live bird, dip it in together with the cedar wood, the scarlet yarn, and the hyssop into the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And then seven times he shall sprinkle the one to be cleansed, the person, of the defiling diseased and pronounce them clean. After that, he is to release the live bird into the open fields. Anyone getting the picture of what's happening? It's kind of a, like, it, it's, it's, it's great, but it's... Again, thankful for Jesus, but it's like uh, grasp onto this first. If you didn't, if you didn't catch it in, the, in that area of Leviticus, the priest didn't cleanse the person. God does when they're sent outside the camp, it's to, to go outside the camp, to be before God, to, to have a time of healing and to be restored. And so the leper in chapter, Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is telling him, you're healed. Go before the priest so he can see that you are clean. So, in essence, the priest is going to have to ask him, how did you get clean? Because what we read in Scripture, this, this leper didn't go outside the camp for seven days. he was in the middle of this crowd and he was healed, instantaneously healed. These two birds carry a lot of symbolism of what they're going to be doing. But we need to understand the, the significance of that is also the significance of the leper. The, the people with skin diseases, especially leprosy, were it was a connotation of great sin in a life. Anyone who has leprosy they're they're wrought with just pain and torment and suffering. Because leprosy is not an easy skin disease to be living with. So these birds are representing the remission of sin and cleanliness and impurity. And, and and to the point where like this person can live free. And we're going to get into it here in just a second. The first bird represents being put to death, that in order to be brought back, there has to be some sort of remission for the sin. Blood has to be shed. And what's really unique, and, and what's really interesting in this, that we look back on it with the eyes of understanding baptism, and understanding through the lens of Jesus, that this bird, when it is killed, and the blood is washed out into the clay pot, it's being washed out with water. What do we do with baptism? We are sprinkled, immersed, or, or like uh, poured on with water washed clean, let it go, let all the sin be gone. The spiritual representation of the, uh, or the physical rep- representation of the spiritual truth. This blood is being washed out into this bucket, into this clay pot, this clay pot representing the frailty of humanity, the moldedness that God says, I'm gonna shape you, I'm gonna mold you as if we were clay, but at the same time, our humanity but that sin brought in is this brokenness, is this frailty, and this blood being washed in a sacrifice had to be made. This first bird is the sacrifice. And then we get into this hyssop and, and the cedar wood and, and the scarlet yarn. And the second live bird. This hyssop and, and so sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself because it's kind of cool. At least I think it's really cool in my head. The hyssop and the cedar. Cedar wood is really tall. It's a, it's a really tall wood. Hyssop grows really low. And the symbolism there is that as great as your sin, as low as your sin, it's covered. No matter how much you've done, how, many little, how little have you done, it's sin, but it's all covered. The scarlet yarn, the redness of it, is, again, it's all wrapped in, it's like the sacrifice, the, the blood of Jesus that you know, foreshadowing into that from the Levitical side. But it's dipped into this, this bird is dipped and sprinkled in this cleansing. Seven times this, this number of completeness, this wholeness. And then the second bird is released. New life, you live, you are cleansed, you are set free and, and, it's, and it's also like just this freedom. Now that you're clen- cleansed, come back, you're free. It's done. It's quite a bit of a ritual. But I think that ritual to understand that the the complexity of that is important for this moment in Matthew chapter eight and the experiences that we desire, because again, like, I know every now and then, like, it seems to work, but by and large, people want to experience Jesus, not just be like, hey, come with me to Sunday morning service. It's really great, okay, awesome. What about your life? Why should I follow you into this? Why should I give up by a Sunday morning to what? What experience am I, am I gaining? Because everything we do is based around some sort of experience for the most part. Great writing and great experiences and action-packed stuff is what makes those Marvel movies so incredible to watch, right? Like We don't watch the Marvel movies because they're lackluster and dull and boring. We watch them because the action-packedness is incredible. The, the visually stunning, the storylines are are decently written to where they keep us engaged. And this man, this leper, walks up to Jesus says, if you're willing, can you heal me? Experiences happened that day. For the large group of people, they saw an individual who had leprosy be healed and leprosy was gone. That's an experience that you talk about. That's something that just doesn't happen on a daily basis. This man who had leprosy was healed in a moment, and he has something to talk about, but he's told, (laughs) don't talk yet, just go to the priest. Show yourself. Bring the sacrifice that you're supposed to bring. See, the life that we're, we're called to live isn't called to be like a mundane, lackluster life. A life following Jesus should have moments where we have these experiences that we could equate similar to this leper being healed and, and similar to the disciples following Jesus after three and a half years where there's story after story after story of Jesus working and Jesus being a part of something and we, we see this and experience it and we want to talk about it. In theory, we could potentially fill the sanctuary every single week of and people just shouting out experience after experience after experience. Like, right, if you ever want to hear me, like, no, or, if, I'm sorry, if you ever want to have me not preach, Start jumping up with your experiences. This is what Jesus did this week, this is incredible. I'll stop talking, because Jesus, if Jesus is moving in you, I don't wanna get in the way of that. I'm not saying Jesus isn't moving, because you're sitting there. That could have sounded really wrong, sorry about that. Uh, I know Jesus is moving, because you guys are calling me and telling me about what's going on in your lives, and, and how Jesus has been a part of these long, incredible stories. I think one of the greatest things, and one of the frustrating things about being a pastor is that one, you guys share with me your stories, but then there's also this thing called, like, I'm bound by confidentiality, so I can't I'll just, like, share your stories all the time because some of your stories are incredible. So share them with other people, too. <laughs> like, I'm glad you share them with me. And I'm going to rejoice with you, and I'm going to be excited with you, and I'm going to walk with you through some of the pains and trials that you have and some of the joys you have and everything else. But, my goodness, talk to other people, too. It's okay, because your story is unique. Your story is is valuable. What you're experiencing in this life, other people need to hear. If you're following Jesus, you've been healed in some way, shape, or form. You could still be needing more healing, which I think all of us kind of fit in that category. We still need to can go through this healing process, but God is healing us. I did talk with a, with a friend this week about what I experienced a few years back about learning about ourselves that I'm gonna share with you that as created images, image bearers of God, we were created, if you look at almost like a pie chart, right, like this circle, we are complete. We are made whole. But because of sin, these little pie pieces get cut out. And we walk through this life trying to fill in these pie pieces with all sorts of other things in our life that just don't make much sense, but we do them anyway. When in reality, God wants to fill that back in with his love and the goodness of, of the body of believers. And, and what was, I was reminded with when I first heard that was we might have this, this circle that we call ourselves and, and we're broken into these other areas, but these other areas are small, but they feel really big. But the hope and the love and the family and the friends and all the other parts of our, of our whole self can begin to heal those things first. <laughs> but we allow other things outside of our lives and outside of our, our whole self to fill those areas in. And before we know it, like God's going, I, I, I've been right here in the rest of this pie with you. Like, let me heal this. Your story shifted when you gave your life to Jesus. You were no longer bound to the narrative of what you once lived. I know in our, in our, in our world we love statistics, right? Statistics drive all sorts of things and, and generally they're true. But what I love about following Jesus is that statistics are blown out of the water. Statistically speaking, I should be in the process of, or gone through, or going to be ready to at least one divorce, if not more. I'm glad I'm not. Statistically speaking, I should be an alcoholic who dabbles in drug use. Statistically speaking, I should be dabbling in conspiracy theories that lead down roads of of very harsh racism. But I'm not... Not because I'm a great person, but because Jesus healed those areas in my life. I was experienced and my experience in life brought me into the forefront of a lot of different areas that were pretty harsh and fairly negative. But that changed. And every single one of your lives have changed if you follow Jesus. And don't shy away from your story. You can't shy away from your story. Your story is truth. Your story is powerful. I believe wholeheartedly that what's going to drive us as Orangewood Church slash North Mountain Church, because our name changes here in a few months when we make our move, that what's going to drive this church is not me preaching on a Sunday morning, Like I am not the preacher of preachers and and gonna drive people into this place because of the great words I have to say. That's not gonna do it. What's gonna do it is your story and my story telling people about what's going on in our lives. That's what's gonna drive the church and not because we need to like gain numbers in church, it's gonna drive people to the feet of Jesus. Your story is massively important to the kingdom because your story is an experience. And what's really great, that I think we can look back at our stories, at least the beginning points of the journey with Jesus, I'd be willing to bet that other people are a part of that story. Other people had an experience of you coming to Jesus. Other people had an experience of you being healed. And if there's other parts, and, and as you continue walking with Jesus, other parts of your story where Jesus is working and being a part of something, And there's other people around that too. So just like the story of the leper, there was people around that saw what was going on. They had the experience. The leper had the experience. Jesus is setting out his authority by his actions. I'm a follower of Jesus, but here's how I see Jesus working. Like that's, that's where we're at. I've said it before i'll say it again because I, I do believe it evangelism isn't hard evangelism gets hard when we ask people like how do i need to do this and have you guys heard the, the abcs of jesus accept believe confess like that was like a, a decent little formula like early 90s getting into the 2000s nothing wrong with it great right but that's not the only way right the best form of evangelism is how jesus affected your life and how you're going to share that The best form of evangelism is you <laughs> being willing to say, "Lord, if you're willing, can you heal me some more so I can continue getting deeper into Your Word, getting deeper into Your life, getting deeper into an understanding of what it means to work in this kingdom on earth and bring king, the kingdom into kingdom of heaven to earth right now? Like, how how do I? I want to be a part of that. How do I do that?" I can't replicate your story. You can't replicate mine. And I'm thankful for that. But I'm thankful for the fact that Jesus is a part of every single one of your stories. So this morning, I want to spend some time praying for you, but at the same time, if you're sitting here going like, I haven't quite felt the experience in a while, and you want to just lay that out before Jesus, you can come to the altar. If you're sitting here going like, I, I'm not still quite sure about this Jesus guy, but like, what do I do with this? It's as simple as asking Jesus to say one, like the leopard, if you're willing to heal me, will you do that? Ask Jesus to heal you of the things in your life that have not been of God. That can be a number of things, and I'm not gonna tell you what they are, because you're smart humans. But every single one of us is at a different point in our journey. Not necessarily because it's good or bad, it's just where we are. Some of us are having experiences this week, and I want to encourage you to find a few more people this week and share those stories, even if it's hard. The crazy part about the leper was that when, they're, when people had leprosy, they were outcasts. They were shunned by society. They were not to be looked at. They were not to be a part of. They were, this leper was in the middle of it. He was in the middle of society, surrounded by people who couldn't deny what happened. Our lives at times bring us to moments where we feel like we don't belong in. But the beauty of the church is that when we don't feel like we belong, The church should be surrounding us, almost like this large group of people around the leper, they were there. So let the church see something amazing. I don't know, I feel like I'm just rambling and I'm gonna talk, stop talking and just pray. So wherever you're at, you can be at an altar, you can be at your seats. Asking for deeper experiences, asking for forgiveness for the first time, asking for Just to make his presence known to you whatever it's got to be ask it lord if you're willing please jesus we are a community here that by and large we love you and every single one of us has a different story and a different depth of our faith and a different Point of where we are, and I'm thankful, God, that you don't look at us in the sense of our years of age should bring us to a certain point. You don't look at our faith and sense in the sense of a corporate ladder of you should be at this point by this certain time. Our journey is our journey, and it's our journey. But, God, we do want to see. <laughs> and experience your movement through the words that we speak about every single week, through the words that we pray, through the words that we end up putting out there, by what we read and by telling people we're followers of Jesus and they go, great, so what? But no, like, what? Look what happens when we put ourselves before Jesus. We want, we desire the experiences to where people go, I can't deny what's happened to you. God, bring us to the points in the stories where when someone has stage four and the doctors have given up hope but yet the church rallies around and prays and they can't come back next the next day and the scans are clear because you moved. Let us floor the doctors. Let us floor our family and friends when we're at our wits end and we're at our last dime and we don't know how we're going to feed families and then you come through and just like it was with five fish and two loaves, you feed thousands. Let us experience you if you will it to be in ways that we can't deny and that people around us can't deny. Father, we ask for your healing of physical things in our own bodies, but also our spiritual lives. For those that are in this room that haven't accepted you yet, will you make it ever-present and known that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that our narrative changes because of you? Drive your church through the experience. And take us along for the ride. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Church, if you um, have prayed any specific way that you are feeling encouraged about and you really need to share that with someone, grab anyone in this room. They will be willing to listen. And if they're not, say, Pastor Josh said you should be willing to listen. And they should stop and go, okay, you're right, I need to be willing to listen. Because your story is important. Church, before we head out of here, there's a couple things. Uh, students, if you're here with us this morning and kids too, um, kids camp is next week. Whew, it's great, kids camp is happening. It's, uh, our, our junior high and senior high camp is a week after that, but they're asking for notarized forms, and we have Judy here today, and if you wanna grab Judy before you head out and get those, those forms notarized, she is here to do that today, and uh, to help you out with that, and then uh, we'll go from there. But if you brought your offering with you, always, again, make sure your offering is given out of a heart of worship and not as an obligation and as a chore or feeling guilty because you're in a church and you're like, oh, I should give something. Give because you love Jesus and you love the kingdom. And if you're on the fence and you're like, I'm not really sure about this, ask one of us who give and, and hear our stories and our experiences of why we continue doing this. Uh, it's an incredible part of piece of our faith. And uh, I'm fairly certain that anyone who has given offerings before can tell you just how much God has moved in all that. So again, your stories are great, it's important. You're vital to this, to this church and to the kingdom. Church, do well, we love you. We will see you as the week progresses in different ways and shapes and forms. Do well, you're awesome. Go home and enjoy the rest of your day.